Not ready? Too bad. Head back, face forward, and hold on like you mean it. Hello and welcome to Review Time's Theme Park Cast, a weekly podcast where we explore the ins and outs of theme parks and attractions from around the world. Hollywood, 1939. Amid the glitz and glitter of a bustling young movie talent at the height of its golden age, the Hollywood Tower Hotel was a star in its own right. Today, I, Dominic Lacey, will give you a tour of that very hotel as you've crossed over into the Twilight Zone. But who better to help us explore this hotel than the man who crossed into the Twilight Zone, realised it wasn't for him, and promptly came back to give it a one-star review on TripAdvisor. That man is Review Time's co-host, Luke Carroll. Uh, I, I went into it thinking it would be, you know, a theme park dedicated to Bella mm. and Edward and... what. The, that's kind oh. of my, the end of my knowledge of Twilight. But <laughs> yeah, I think you get what I was getting at. <laughs> it, it, I was like, Bella? Like, is he making a Beauty and the Beast? And then <laughs> I got it. And I was like, oh, I, I, this is the Good worst episode we've done today. <laughs> so we're talking about the, the Twilight Zone Tower mm. of Terror, probably one of the attractions that we know the most about i'd say yeah. like we like i've done a video on it you've done a lot of research on it in yeah, the yeah. past and it it's featured everywhere there's documentaries oh, yeah. on it there's books on it there's there's other a great videos film on, it. on it oh yes <laughs> a, a lovely b movie that was released i don't even think it's to, on disney plus is it i think even I... disney's trying to sweep that <laughs> under the rug <laughs> The last I heard was that they sort of swept it under the rug because they wanted to release something for Disney Plus, like a proper oh, Twilight yeah. Zone. And because from what I remember, the Twilight Zone movie, which we're talking about, which you can still find, I think it's on YouTube, if oh, I probably. remember yeah. correctly. Um, and you just go on, search Twilight Zone movie. It's really bad. And it's but- also, I believe it has nothing to do with the Twilight Zone franchise. They call the film just like Tower of Terror. And it conveniently yes. makes no reference to the TV show, which probably has a lot to do with the fact they didn't want to pay for the licensing of the show. Exactly. That way they yeah. can get away with it. You know, they don't have to pay CBS, essentially. <laughs> I think it's CBS who own the license. Uh, they did the new series that everyone was like, Eh, it's something. Mm. Um, well, that's so a, probably- it's something that I was thinking about, um, and I was going to mention this later in the episode, but I thought, well, we may as well mention it now mm. because we're just going to jump straight in. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, we're specifically talking about the Hollywood Studios version. The best Because I'm version. hoping to eventually talk about all of the others mm. because there's um california which now has its own history because it's yep. changed over into guardians of the galaxy and there's also tokyo which is completely different and steers away from the twilight zone uh theme altogether and then you've and, got the paris version yeah. which is pretty much it's now got its own history as yeah, well so it's it changed started over. like as the california version the exact same and they've recently essentially rewritten the story of the ride which is yeah, interesting from what I've heard, because they did a big advertisement push recently uh, where it's essentially like the hotel has come alive, it's got to do with this whole thing where uh, there are different stories that mm. you can go through, similar to how, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but the the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror at Hollywood Studios is completely random in yeah. its drop sequence, like it's a drop tower. Um, the one at Paris apparently has... 
you know, random stories throughout yeah. it. Like and I think are, it has to do five... with that, the, like, you know, the group of people who you see, they've got, like, the little girl with the doll and the bell hop yeah. and stuff. And I think each of them has something to do with one of those characters, essentially. Mm. If you look up the, the like, teaser trailer for it, it's very cool. Very yeah. well done. Um, and I think sort of California must be kicking themselves that that has come out because they're like, damn it, we could have revised this because <laughs> everyone's like, I like Guardians of the Galaxy, but I hate how it fits into DCA. Yeah. See, I actually, for the park DCA, I've ridden both Tower of Terror and Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. And for that park, I prefer Mission Breakout because it feels like a different ride. Mm. Where Tower of Terror, <laughs> Tower of Terror, just felt like a worse version of the Disney Hollywood Studios ride. Okay, where this you that. have nothing to compare it to. It's not a worse version of any Guardians ride. It is the Guardians ride until they get Galaxy Cosmic Rewind or whatever. Yeah, Cosmic Rewind that <laughs> one um, when it eventually comes out in 2023. But maybe yeah. we should talk a little bit more about what the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is for those. Uh, I think two viewers from <laughs> listeners from Australia who are like, what is the tower of is terror? That the ride at dream uh, world? No, it's not the oh. <laughs> recently demolished ride at dream world, which uh, first went forwards, then went backwards. This is a, it's a drop tower ride. So similar mm. to the giant drop, um, well, not similar at all. It, it's only similar in the sense that it drops, it drops and then goes back up. It's more similar to, I'd say a, what do they call that? The, the shuttle? The space, the space shot. shots. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of more the mode. The in SNS space tycoon. shot, uh, Australia's bat wing, but they're pretty much in every park. You start down the bottom. Mm. It builds up the air pressure and shoots you to the top. You bounce a little bit. This is essentially like a really technologically advanced version in that it's not just a drop tower where you go to the top and you drop. Mm. This is like the the apple iphone of drop towers like the <laughs> amount of technology mm. in this is incredible so it's to sort of set the scene imagine hollywood you've got this grand sort of sunset boulevard and you're going down hollywood boulevard and you're like oh wow look at all the glitz and glamour <laughs> and the other things that are in the golden age something in there yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and then right down the end is this big hotel and you can see sort of these doors that open and close and, and they're sort of exposed from the outside. You can see there's heaps of damage. Mm -hmm. It's been struck by lightning. There's you know, burn marks all over it. Something that someone brought to my attention that now I hate them for is the fact that if you look at the facade where the, um, where the shafts mm -hmm. actually have been destroyed off, they've put the sign on. So yeah. the Hollywood Tower Hotel sign is actually on the damaged part of the yeah. building where it would have actually fallen off, and it doesn't really make any sense. But so you're looking down Sunset Boulevard, you've got the Tower of Terror in the back, and it's just a big drop ride, but it's also yep. got dark ride elements in there as well. A really it's well very drop cool. ride. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's I, I think it's considered a dark ride in yeah. many regards. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of, I believe that it... Uh, won a lot of dark ride competitions for a yeah, couple I think of it, years in a row. I think for years and years and years, it won the golden ticket for world's best dark ride pretty much until Harry Potter came around. 
I think it actually, I, I was re-watching my video and something I need to remember with my videos is sometimes I can get good sources, but bad facts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, and there was a part in there where I mentioned that apparently in the last couple of years, it's gotten the golden ticket for the, the world's best dark ride. I know that Mystic Manor has gotten it in recent years. Quickly. Type, figure it out, Luke. But I'm sorry if you can like, hear my clackety clickety <laughs> keyboard in the background. <laughs> Enhance is hacking the the system. The mainframe. Um, I'm in. I'm in. I'm loading up goldenticketawards.com. All time winners okay. by category for best dark ride. So tell us uh, who's the winner. Let's. It's actually I was slightly wrong. From 2001 to 2013, it was the Amazing Adventures of Spider Man. Oh, then nice. in 2014, Harry Potter came in for two years. Mm. And then in 2016 uh, till 2018, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. So even though the ride has been around since the 90s, it didn't win for best dark ride until it was almost 20 years old. Yeah, that's almost two decades yeah. because the ride <laughs> opened in 1994. Yeah. Wow. So Which would be best? A- I would say Spider-Man is a better dark ride. Not necessarily that it's a better ride overall, but it is more of a straightforward dark ride where this is a yeah, drop true. tower with dark ride elements. Did everyone just realize that, hey, this isn't a thrill ride anymore because like maybe thrill rides have changed what the meaning mm. is? Like, I guess if you think about it back in the day, like Did they used to have best all drop that tower? Because <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't and- be an easy one. <laughs> best so maybe non-coaster ride. The, oh no! Best, never mind. They what? did that for one year, and it was Amazing Adventures of Spider Man again. <laughs> <laughs> That's when they realize, hey, we should maybe have a dark ride yeah. section in here. <laughs> well, I reckon we should probably take this all the way back, get in our time machine, and look at some of the history of the Hollywood Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. You need to say something there. Yeah. Oh, like, sorry. Yes. I it was like you were waiting for a sound effect or something. I was like, oh, has he got something lined up? He might have, you know, the Rod Sterling intro or no. Apparently it was we, on me. Uh, like, well, what if glamour. we both make this sound effect? Uh, let Think time machine and in okay. three, two, one, let's make that sound. Three, two, one. Oh, we're back. Oh, it's the 1980s, Luke. Whoa, There's I'm wearing dads this cool in- rad T- uh, I think I was thinking of a 90s t-shirt. Uh, what did they wear in I, the 80s? I got a boombox on my shoulder. Of, um, uh, dad's wearing white polos tucked into cargo shorts. I think is that's, that the that's 80s? 2020s, isn't it? Have you oh, seen man. a dad at Disney World? <laughs> they're just, they're permanent. They're like a, yeah. an addition to the I think park. it gets to a, an age, you know, you hit a certain age and you get a delivery in the post and it's your yearly supply of cargo shorts and white polos. You have to throw everything else out. It's actually what they give you when you have a kid. So mm. I was talking to my brother-in-law and he, uh, and now my brother has a kid as well, which is weird to think. Every time <laughs> he like rocks up with his kid, I'm like, who's that? Uh, <laughs> but it, he said that when they give you like the baby, they also give you the white polo shirts and cargo shorts. It makes specifically sense. It all makes sense. Mm, and I'm pretty sure when you, you walk see- into Walt Disney World, if you're not wearing that and boat shoes as well, of course, mm. they won't let you in. <laughs> They're like, sorry, sir, you're going to have to leave. You're, you're not adhering to our you don't very really strict dress code. parent those children, do you, like that? Wearing that? <laughs> well, 
so we're in the late 1980s, so maybe we're going to get away with some 90s references Ooh, we got in those. here. Yeah, yeah. Which but it's the, hard for us to reference the 80s when we weren't born yet. Yeah, we were. We you were born in 1992. I was 1993. Yeah. 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 I don't know why I waited for you to say <laughs> yes, um, considering that I know when I was born. Yeah. <laughs> I was very confident on yours. You were, yeah, and I was yeah, like, 92. Was and, I? Uh, when was I born again? <laughs> I was born in that that year that you need to remind me of. But this <laughs> this actually didn't start at Hollywood Studios. The development of this attraction actually started at what was then known as Euro Disney. Um, so what what is now known as Disneyland Paris. It was meant to be a free fall type ride in Frontierland that was going to be Geyser Mountain. We've talked about this a little bit in the past. Geyser Mountain was imagine like a roller coaster that would then get caught on like a track piece that would rise up. It'd go right into the air and then drop right down. Very cool idea. They wanted to match it up with the geyser so that the geyser would erupt. Mm. Your train would fly up and then you would fall down with it. I'm trying to think similar to like a cartoon, you know, where they put their butt in like a geyser and you go like, whoa. And then the geyser disappears and they like fly all Nothing like it has really existed either. There was kind of, do you know much about that Rhino Rally ride that used to be at Bush Gardens Tampa? It had no. a similar effect that rather than the track like getting blasted up, you would drive onto a bridge that the bridge would then crack and break away and you would float ah. down the river on the bridge. And that's the only kind of thing I can think of where it's like the track becomes a ride vehicle going in a different orientation than what you'd expect. Mm. I can't think of anything similar to this. And it, that geyser mountain sounds incredible. It would have, it's probably one of the rides that I kind of wish we got the chance. You look back through the archives of Disney Imagineering. There's so many attractions that you're like, dang, I really wish they had built that. And this is one, one of them. <laughs> Either, you know, at uh, Euro Disneyland or at, it was meant to go to Disneyland Park at one point when they thought, DCA would be so popular, they'd need a new ride at Disneyland to draw the crowds back in. And we kind of all know how that turned out. (laughs) Now, I I need to uh, address something quickly there because Tom, one of our listeners, who is my brother, he um, (laughs) once one day he was like, what the hell is DCA? And uh, we need to clarify, DCA is uh, Disney's California Adventure. I think we we sometimes forget how much about theme parks we know. (laughs) And every now and then I'll be listening back through and I'm like, oh, man, if you're not into theme parks, people are just going to be like. The the weird thing is (laughs) Disney California Adventure is the only Disney park in the world that I use the initialism for, Mm. which I, you know, I wouldn't say dl for disneyland or mk for magic kingdom but for so i guess it's because disney california adventure is one a mouthful and two just a terrible name for that park at the moment it's also one of those things that when you actually go to disneyland once you're aware of what disney's california Mm. adventure is you will just literally say oh let's go over to dc yeah you want to hop to to disneyland a lot so yeah (laughs) you're probably just used to saying like oh let's go to dca in the morning then we'll go over to the full name then people will know you're leaving disneyland to go to the inferior park but you bring up a good point because you know even the the context of this one where it's like uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. Mm. Everyone just calls it Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios. Yeah. Um, Animal Kingdom. I have heard it there's... called DHS, but that's more of a like a cast member thing at Magic mm. Kingdom. Uh, sorry, like at the Walt Disney World Resort. You know, you'd be like, oh, where do you go? Oh, DHS. 
but it, it doesn't not, flow off the yeah, tongue. Yeah, exactly. Like Where DCA, DCA, yeah, is very. It's, it works. It's nice to say. <laughs> now, now they know the listeners who didn't know DCA, because now, I apologize. I just I'm quickly... probably going to call it that for the rest of time. <laughs> True. I'll just, like, if you ever hear me chime in and California say something that you're like, Dom, that's super obvious, then <laughs> I'm just, I'm checking you. I'm just <laughs> making sure that we're, we're being inclusive here. Mm-hmm. Um, something I do want to mention where you were saying there's no attraction like this. I want to say that there is one that was like Geyser Mountain, which is, I think, and I'm probably wrong here, at Alton Towers, there's a roller coaster that, goes into like this wooden shed and then yeah, falls yeah. it doesn't yeah, there's ride. Drop tracks yeah there's quite a few rides i believe hagrid's at um islands of adventure has one uh the, there's maybe a king's island or one of the cedar fair parks they have a drop track ride so drop tracks are becoming as well uh that sfx coaster um by i think it's by dynamic attractions that's mm. never opened anywhere in the world, but it's like a drop <laughs> track is one of the sections you can install on that coaster. Uh, so drop tracks, I would say there's a handful of parks around the world that have implemented a drop track into a coaster, but nothing like the rise and fall that would have been Geyser Mountain. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. I feel like 13 yeah, had that's the world's the first yeah. drop track, which was at Alton Towers in uh, near somewhere in England, mm. north of London, I feel. <laughs> Very far away from London. I know we've looked it up before and we're like, let's go to visit the UK theme parks. Mm. And then we realise they're all very far away from each other and it's just not really worth it. So, But not quite Australian theme parks away from each other distance. No, uh, like eight hours between... Yeah. Well, at least. I guess if you consider the major thing for me, there's the ones on the Gold Coast. And then I would say the next major theme park after that, or the one that I would say takes itself a little bit more seriously. Not Well, they all take themselves seriously. Yeah. The one that sort of has more serious additions would be Adventure World, which is literally yeah. on the other side of the country, about a four day drive. So yeah. <laughs> look, if you want to go uh, down well, the rank. If we start now, we'll be... Uh, Almost back in time to release our video on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we'll just go, we'll drop over, do a review and then come back, which is crazy <laughs> to think that in the US you can travel like that amount of distance for days and literally yeah. visit like 10 theme parks well, where, in where, um, that distance. My, yeah, well, where my partner, where she grew up, it was like, oh, I live 10 minutes from the world's largest theme park, Giaga Lake, and an hour from the world's best theme park, cedar point oh i've now moved to australia and i live eight hours from a handful of okay theme parks australians are weird in the sense that i feel like most people are just happy to like go to the beach or go to a yeah. shopping center even though we always complain about it we're always like yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing to, to do, do. oh you want to go to the shops <laughs> yeah all right yeah let's just go to charlestown and hang out maybe go to time zone and then we'll go to the beach <laughs> That's pretty much an Australian weekend. Mm-hmm. So moving on from Geyser Mountain, you then have uh, it moved into what was then called Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers. This was going to be what was like a, a dark ride. It would feature elements where it was similar to the Indiana Jones EMV where you would drive around in a vehicle and you would shoot at mobsters. Yeah, and uh, if you're interested in that, I have done an episode 
where we break down Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers a little more. It's in the uh, failure of the Disney decade because that was one mm. of the rides where they're like, and coming to Disneyland in 1994. Oh, no, the movie is terrible and everybody hates it. Guess we better never talk about this ride again, even though it looked to be an incredible use of technology and incredibly... Um, when you think back on it and you would have had, you know, it had the EMV, but it also had some interactivity with the mm. uh, Tommy guns and stuff like that. It would have been a really cool ride. And I'm sorry, I, I need to check myself there. This wasn't a part. It, it was a part of uh, the Twilight Zone, Zone, Tower of Terror uh, expansion or as it was going to become because as it yeah. went, it was like it went Geyser Mountain then that got scrapped. Then it went Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers, which, which they wanted been... to bring to Hollywood Studios, yeah. but it wasn't the drop ride. It, it was, it started that motion of needing a new attraction at yeah. Hollywood Studios. So D- uh, Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers would have been a part of what is now Sunset Boulevard, which is what Tower of Terror is at the end at, uh, is mm. at the end of. I believe it would have been somewhere. Dick Tracy's tr- Crime Stoppers would have been somewhere around where uh, Rock and Roller Coaster is today. Yeah, it was meant to be like a big warehouse. I remember. Yep. It, it like would a look Chicago like sort of style. Like, yeah, which yeah. really does fit the end of Sunset Boulevard. You know, Hollywood <laughs> Chicago style warehouse with yep. Chicago style characters. Definitely what I think <laughs> of when I think of LA. <laughs> well, I but definitely think of a really fast limousine and checking out Steven Tyler's hat. On Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith. <laughs> Check out Steven Tyler's hat. <laughs> what is We came across this blog oh, post. Oh, there's a story. Which, uh, which is online. You can look it up. And it's just look this up guy. Steven Tyler's hat, Rock and Roller Coaster. And it's almost like this person's memento about how... He just doesn't get why when you're going on rock and roller coaster, as you sit down, you're strapped in, you're ready to go, and you sort of go around the corner mm. getting ready for the launch. And it's like, well, the Aerosmith are just coming out onto stage. Look at Steve Tyler's yeah. hat. And it's like a randomized thing. And one of the things the guy can say is check out Steven Tyler's hat. But the guy from the blog post was so irate because when you get off the ride, which we did want to talk about like uh, theme park plot holes at one point, so we may <laughs> expand on this a little because you're on this world's fastest, you know, limo, so you can get to the concert. You they start the concert as you get in the vehicle, and then two minutes later you get off, and it's at the end of the concert. And the guy was <laughs> irate because Steven Tyler wasn't even wearing a hat. <laughs> so what is at this? the end? I think they're yeah. all like waving, or yeah. it's got like it's got shots of the concert yeah. in the gift shop. And it's yeah. like, wow, look at all of this. <laughs> it, and then literally straight after it says, check out Steven Tyler's hat. It then just goes Launches into like, oh, yeah. all right, countdown. <laughs> yeah. Three, two, two. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's so bizarre. But that's where Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers would have been. That would eventually go on to become the Indiana Jones and, uh, Adventure. Dick Tracy Disneyland. did have a strange yellow hat. So it would have come full circle. Everyone in that <laughs> position had to have a strange hat. It's like some weird imaginary in joke. <laughs> I'd love to know how many things there are that like are just mm. off comments. Like, yeah, I, you write things sometimes into a script that I'm like, yeah, hey, 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 no, one no one will get will this. Ever we know, get yeah. it, and then you just think like these oh, attractions sure, are made by sure. people. So, 
Then uh, eventually what happened is they they were trying to get these new attractions into to Sunset Boulevard. They needed this expansion for Hollywood Studios because for some context, Hollywood Studios opened as a competitor to Universal Studios Orlando, which was opening up sort of around the same time. A couple of years later. The, it, was, it was famously one of those uh, attempts where Disney brought on Michael Eisner. Michael Eisner knew about Universal Studios Orlando and said, hey, let's just beat them to it and built this sort of really quick experience where they're like, oh, let's have a backstage tour around a film studio because that's what they're going to add. And then eventually Universal Studios Orlando went, well, Hollywood Studios have had a backlot. Let's mm. not do a backlot. Let's just make a theme park. Ultimately for them, they got the last laugh because yep. that would prove to be one of the best decisions they could make because Hollywood Studios has always been problematic. Struggled, and it literally yeah. opened with two attractions. Yeah. So <laughs> it had a, a much needed expansion. And that's what Hollywood Tower of Terror was going to be a part of. It was going to be a part of that expansion to really make Hollywood Studios stand out. And so they eventually, after deciding on different attractions and different ideas, they came back to the guys in Mountain Idea and they're like, how can we work with this? What what are some of our options here? And they thought, let's just strip away the roller coaster. There's not that much space, especially in Hollywood studios. Mm. So they just went, what if we just look at the drop tower? And they came up with a couple of ideas for that. Um, and then they would eventually decide that, look, let's... Let's try the Twilight Zone. That's a, a pretty good idea. We can make something quite interesting there. So they actually, you know, they brainstormed for a bit. They're like, let's look at bringing something in for the Twilight Zone. Are there any episodes on that? Are there any uh, sort of different anthology things that we can use? Mm. And they they realized, no, there's nothing <laughs> about a, uh, a Hollywood Tower Hotel, which for those who don't know... Um, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is not based off any actual attraction. It's all made up. And they mm. actually got the licensing for the intellectual property and to be transformative with that in making a new episode from CBS. Mm. So Which it they blows my settled... mind that in the 90s, they were like, you know what would be a good franchise to base an attraction off? Remember that old black and white show from the 1950s and 60s? <laughs> That's the one. That's the one people are going to want to come and have to ride. Well, that's one of the things that I was thinking about with this attraction is that I would say that the only, like one of the few reasons why this series and why this intellectual property is relevant to this day would be because of this ride yeah. and because of all of the other rides around the world. It's one of those things where the first time you go to, well, Disney's California Adventure back in the day and then Hollywood Studios, you sort of... You're aware of the Twilight mm. Zone. People sort of vaguely it's remember it. It's referenced a lot as well have... in shows like The Simpsons. And like it's been parodied. I'd almost say people nowadays are more aware of the parodies than they are of the show that spawned them. Yeah, it's very much prominent in culture. But I think especially for people our age, we don't really know what the Twilight Zone is. But this is a great introduction into it. A lot of people will then go and look into it a bit more. I legitimately think that it wouldn't have the following it has to this day because, you know, if this ride didn't exist, essentially. And it was interesting. One of the reasons why, like, Mel Brooks stopped working with Disney on these attractions was because he just thought that the exposure 
wasn't going to be good mm. when when they were going through Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers and the movie ended up being bad. And they're like, okay, what if we make something based on Young Frankenstein or something yeah. similar to that? And he was like, look, I'm just not interested. And they tried convincing him being like, we have millions of people going through mm. our gate every year. This is something that it's not just a movie. It's not something that people will watch once and then just get over it. This is an experience. People will be doing this over yeah. and over for years. And he was like, I don't believe you. And I think the fact that the Twilight Zone is still relevant to this day, almost 70 years after the series first yeah. came out, is really a testament to how effective theme park integration can be. Mm -hmm. Except for sometimes with, you know, Galaxy's Edge and all but of I that. But I think that's but... almost, the, yeah, it's hard to say where it's, you know, there's a, I, it's hard to say another time where Disney's kind of almost drawn out a franchise from the depths and gone, you know what, let's make a ride out of this. I mean, Disney, sure, I guess sometimes of like, oh, uh, you know, Aladdin came out 20 years ago. Let's make him into mm. a flying carpets ride or something like that. <laughs> um, I guess in yeah, the closest regard, it could be considered how, you know, the Star Wars franchise was very much stagnated before Disney mm. took it over. Yeah, it, it was around, but there were not really any new movies or anything like that. Then Disney took it and just went ballistic with that. And I think that's possibly similar where Disney's taken that and really revived it and added yep. their own spin to it, which a lot of people would say their own spin was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Except for The Mandalorian, which I'm still yet to watch. Everyone tells me I should watch it. It's good. But you should. <laughs> yeah, one day I will when I eventually find some free time. You want to get the, the most bang for your buck for that eight bucks a month that's Disney Plus? You're going to wait till there's five seasons and then you're just going to watch them all one night at a time every episode. It's what I did with Foxtel here in Australia when I wanted to watch Westworld. And then I discovered a couple of weeks ago that I was still paying for that. Um, Ooh. So $20 a month. Yikes. <laughs> and I completely <laughs> forgot that I was paying for it. That's the fun of that subscriptions, hurts. people. That's that's why they exist. Yep. Um, so eventually they decided on the Twilight Zone theme and they really settled on this 1930s era Hollywood hotel idea and they wanted to make it a, a full drop tower plus the dark ride experience they wanted to make it more spooky mm -hmm. than their usual attractions not the disneyfied sort of whimsical idea they really wanted to hammer home mm. that this was a dark experience and you can really tell when you ride this attraction it is quite dark mm. so funnily enough um they got the otis elevator company involved if Ooh. you've ever ridden an elevator which i'd say a majority of people who are <laughs> listening to this have uh I'd say probably about 60% of elevators are made yep. by Otis. The other one that I love is that there's another elevator company called Schindler. And if uh, you think yeah. about it, Schindler's and then there's one Lifts. Oh. <laughs> is that why it's thing. called that? Yes, I think so. <laughs> what a morbid. <laughs> Schindler's Because that's lifts. what you want people to think about when they're riding your lift. <laughs> one of the most tragic um incidences of human history i guess i guess that's Wait, a what uplifting schindler's list that's about a guy in the holocaust who saved like all these jewish people oh is it i've never watched it <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was about some people in prison you know the one with the guy who's like he escaped from prison that day and what's that movie <laughs> 
Stop looking at me like that. It's got the the guy with the yeah, freckles. I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you explain your your, your way out of this. Are we are we we talking about one of the most famous films called one of the number one, if not the number one film of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Compared to the Steven Spielberg directed Schindler's List, completely different film. <laughs> well. The only sort of reference I know to Schindler's List is there was this viral video that went around ages ago, which was where they were pitching movies to, uh, who's the actor that just does, he was in the, the, oh my oh, gosh, my brain's just nondescript. Please, Luke, <laughs> fill in the gaps. Uh, so I'm thinking uh, of Nicholas a Cage. He's in a lot of movies. <laughs> Nicolas Cage, it's where it was back in the time where he just did every movie and they were doing this skit where it was like, oh, we're going to be doing this new sequel for Schindler's List called Schindler's Fist. And it's about like where (gasps) he goes back in time and starts like beating up Nazis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Fair. yeah, that's that's all I know about that's that. All you, but, that's all you need to know, you know. Not one of the most I, gut-wrenching well, films of all time. Schindler's List. I I feel like it's either just a massive coincidence or they they're very self-aware because if you look up Schindler lifts Australia, isn't it like Schindler or something like that? I don't think it's Schindler. Schindler. Yeah, oh, it's Schindler. It? Okay. Because the um, other one I, I know of is like K O N E, and I don't know how to pronounce. Is it like Cone or Kone? Yeah, it's sorry, it's spelt the same way, Schindler. Huh. So interesting. Um, yeah, there's another one. There's wow. W- welcome to the review time yeah. elevator podcast. <laughs> elevator chat, which I think one of my favorite facts about this, I, it's in one of the documentaries or something, and it's just the way the Imagineer tells the story, where he's like, "We rang up the Otis Elevator Company." And we were like, we want you to make a lift that will fall. And uh, Otis was apparently like, no, we've made years and years of progress to make it do exactly the opposite. Well, the we'll talk a little bit more about the mechanics later on because they made the elevator. But the interesting thing about this ride is that it's sort of a ride within a ride. Hybrid. And we'll explain that more, but Eaton Kenway, they designed the ride vehicle, whereas Otis made the lift. And yep. you can sort of see how that will match up later mm-hmm. on. Maybe Ooh. there's two different elements. Whoa. Mm. <laughs> um, so a little bit more about the, the pre-development of the attraction. They wanted Rod Sterling, uh, sorry, Rod Serling to feature mm, in the attraction. I always, I always get that too, yeah. Uh, there was actually when I was releasing my video, I remember you called me out on it yeah and you're like you literally call him sterling the entire way through and i had to go back and recorded it and i hated you for that i was very cranky <laughs> but i had to do it you, so you he, pulled yourself up this time i didn't need to true i i did so he died almost two decades earlier he was a significant part of the twilight zone franchise and they really wanted to incorporate him into the actual the the production so what they ended up doing is they did a casting call for people who were able to do sort of a similar style of voice to who were able to faithfully recreate it and they actually got rod serling's wife to judge it 
It, it wasn't a competition. It sounds like it was, but it wasn't. It was very <laughs> Who wants respectful. to sound like my old deceased husband? Come on yeah. in. <laughs> Come on, everyone. It's the new hit TV show in 10. Uh, and eventually Mark Silverman won. Um, and, well, he got the, the job. We, we keep on saying well, it like it's a TV. It's not a, a competition. TV. Didn't we just say that? <laughs> um, so uh, Mark Silverman, who's done a couple of uh, attractions around mm. Disney theme parks and in a lot of, like, cartoons and movies and that, mm-hmm. Uh, can't think of anything else off the top of my head that he's in, but it's just like, I think he does voice. some of the like random stuff around the parks, like little like pick up mm. audio bits that you can hear like in Windows or you know in stuff like that. Like, um, I think the like the dentist on Main Street, yeah, that that sort of stuff. I, it's not that exactly, I think it, but it's mm. that sort of similar. You you wouldn't necessarily know him, but you probably heard his voice in something. Yeah, there are so many voices that when you actually think about it, like who's the guy who does the space travelers? Yeah, uh, please keep your Probably arms and legs inside the vehicle. Yeah, like, if I was like an imagineer, I'd, put, I'd like you know cement myself in a little way like that. See, the other thing though is there's a big difference between people who are experienced with voice and people who just want Think to do it. Like, they can do a voice. You hear, yeah, like working in a, uh, I guess the equivalent of a, a call center. I call up a lot of places. And man, you can hear sometimes some of the clients that are just companies and it's like, hello, welcome to our business. Press one for this department. It's just like everyone thinks they can do X, Y and Z voices and then they actually can't. It's what's that principle where they say it's essentially like the more you know about something, the, the more you realize that you need to learn. Yeah. The the fallacy principle or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's yeah. essentially when you look at something in a nutshell, you're you like, realize yeah, how I can deep do it that. Is. Yeah, once you get mm. into it. I experienced that firsthand with rollerblading recently. I used to do a lot of rollerblading when I was younger. <laughs> what a weird one. For me, it'd be, you know, <laughs> Disney parks or something like that. But no, rollerblading. <laughs> no, I was thinking about sports and I'm like, if you think about sports in the raw sense, it's like basketball. Dribble the ball, throw it into who? Oh, this is going to be a a clinger of a. Here we go. Dom explains sports. Probably one of the least sporting people known to man. Explaining sports. So, so. Oh, and golf. You just grab you... this stick and then you just whack the ball, and it's the easiest. You basketball's the dribble. You should imagine swimming. You just you just swim. It's the easiest sport of them all. Why is it an Olympic sport? <laughs> I can swim. Just... <laughs> Though, have you heard about some of the countries where they will just like randomly go, hey, are you a good swimmer? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> they'll You're just the like throw them. them. Throw them into the Olympics. Like Those the countries where person. like one person will show up and you're like, good, good going. Good going. Wasn't that like the Jamaican bobsled team? Yeah. <laughs> essentially. Something like, like that, yeah. The Winter Olympics. <laughs> they're like, how have you, you know, prepared yeah. for this? And like, we haven't. <laughs> well, didn't so, they like didn't the film come out first and then they put in a team or something like that? Really? I think so. I thought it was a true story. Oh. What, oh, what's the movie called? Boat. It's like cool running, short, cool runnings. I was going to call it short runnings. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <Short>. <laughs> what? I think I, I got that mixed up with cool runnings and the big short. 
uh, which has nothing oh, very to similar do. films. <laughs> what, what a cooked episode this is. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll, we're, we're like five minutes off a break. We'll just make it through. So power through, uh, power just, through. just quickly talking about... Uh, I'm just looking through my list of things that happened. So they constructed the building and it opened in July 4th. Well, they wanted to open it on July 4th, 1994. Mm -hmm. Um, However, Sunset Boulevard wasn't ready yet. So they opened Mm -hmm. it on July 22nd, 1994. And we'll be back shortly (laughs) after a break. And we are back. We've had a bit of a breather. I had feel bre- like no we've more hopefully- silly buggers allowed in the second half no. of the podcast. No way. Uh, second half. I feel like this is probably the the third quarter, <laughs> which is <laughs> the, oh, the second half. <laughs> so we're we're actually going to go through the attraction itself, and we're going to talk us. about some of the unique things, and we're going to it's sort of. It's not going to be opening day. We're going to talk about it as if we're just walking around yeah. and a mixture of history and as it was today. I so think we've well, talked a little. When, oh, yeah. when the ride opened, didn't it just drop once? Yes. Yeah, which is insane it, it just, to me. Mm, so it just went up, it dropped, and then that was there it. There you go. It was over. Which they built this was, whole ride system, which as today mm. you could ride it and it can go up, down, all these amount of times. And they used it to literally take you to the top. Take you to the bottom, get off, go home. It was a drop tower in the most traditional yeah. sense. Like they, they didn't have really anything else mm. involved. But we should probably just work our way back a little bit because we Ooh. need to actually get on the ride first, Luke. Mm. So, so we're walking down Sunset Boulevard. We've gone past a lot of shops. Pretty much mm. Sunset Boulevard is just shops and restaurants, the lane, until you get to the end. Where <laughs> One on of the best right, weenies got- in the world to drag you oh. to the end, though. It's amazing when you look just down there and you've got the the tower, which is mm. sort of on a hill, so it's, it's elevated above everything else. a little else. with lighting effects. The tower mm. sign is flashing. It is drawing you in to the ride. And then on the left-hand side, you've got the uh, rock and roller coaster, and on the right-hand yeah. side, you've got Fantasmic. So yep. really that area down there is just really saturated with attractions now yep. it's got some cars thing as well which nobody cares yeah. about out the um, back I apparently even... that's quite cool which when i was there was when that that area first opened and they really had no idea what to do with it so at wasn't one it a point, dance pad yeah it was a dance party when it, at one point then it was like an upcharge experience at another and then it was now it's like that semi-permanent lightning mcqueen where everyone's like the animatronic's cool that's, That's about all. it. Yeah. Isn't it meant to be that thing where it's like you're watching a race, but there's someone else racing and like Lightning McQueen is like it's guiding that it simulator, through. I think. Because wasn't there like a racing simulator in the third film, I want to say, where it's like yeah. oh, you can get better at racing <laughs> on this simulator and it's like the that kind of experience, but it's like, mm. watch me race on the simulator. It's like, I think or it's, I could go to California Adventure and ride Radiator Springs races. <laughs> like, it seems like, hey, we want to put a Cars attraction in, but we don't got the budget for Radiator Springs races. What's the cheapest we can do? We can only afford one of the animatronics, not the entire we'll grab ride. grab an animatronic and some screens. <laughs> there we go. So if you decide not to do any of those attractions, you can then just head straight forward instead of going left or right, and you'll find yourself within the courtyard of the Hollywood Tower Hotel. So here, essentially, it's designed to look as if 
the tower was just open today. Mm-hmm. Like it has been closed for a decade and now you're just re-entering it for the first time. Like when it's actually closed, they've got signs all over it that it's like um, abandoned, do not yeah. enter, trespass in warnings. So like, you can sort of yeah. see those when they open it back up. They're, they're on the side, but it's not super yeah. obvious. But if you were to keep walking, you would end up at the gift shop. But we're going to take a left into the actual queue itself. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of through like a garden. Imagine mm. just sort of like a an overgrown, semi-dilapidated sort of garden with statues that don't really fit at what we would see as being quite nice like they're yeah they're sort of a bit grotesque in the sense it's like gargoyles and yeah. angels and all that sort of thing but something to note is that this is when it starts to generate a sense of unease you are right under the tower at this point and if you look up in this garden sort of queue it it doesn't go for very long it sort of just loops around But if you look up, the tower is right there. And they were aware of that when they were developing this. And what they've done is they've actually built this walkway to be uneven. Mm. So there are, it sort of slopes back and forth and the edges do the same. They're they're Mm -hmm. uneven. So everything just feels off. Yeah. It's not super pronounced. It's not like you're walking around and it's like, wobbly it's just on <laughs> a enough of a slope. <laughs> yeah. it's on enough of a slope that you just feel like something's not right so you you start to get that general sense of unease it's playing this smooth jazz from the 1930s mm. it's all things like we'll meet again like it, it's very ominous Good study music if you want some just background music look up tower of terror uh q loop Oh, the saxophones and the trumpets, so good. And and then as you reach sort of closer to the hotel, you get into its garden area. And this is like the garden that you're in before, you'll notice it's it's not nice. There's no flowers Mm. or anything. It's just all overgrown ferns and bushes. Once you get to the actual garden of the hotel, everything's just dead. It's Mm. like the fountains have no water in them. The you can see vines, but the leaves have fallen off. The trees are stripped of their leaves. It's just very barren. Something's not right. There Mm. are sort of pots that just have dirt in them and that's when you start to get this idea of it's like, okay, this this isn't like the haunted mansion at Disneyland where it's designed to look really nice from the outside yeah. and then you get inside and it's haunted. This is meant to be like, this is not okay. I'm it's going, going into Walt something. Wishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wants it all to be opulent, damn it. Yeah, until you got in, so, you weren't meant to know that it was old. <laughs> exactly. And so you... You then get sort of right under the tower. You're beneath in like this sort of little balcony area. Mm. Um, and then you take a left and you take another left and you're now inside the actual mansion itself. Uh, the, sorry, the, the, tower. the tower, not the mansion. Yeah. <laughs> and inside is this sort of big grand lobby. Mm. It's really high roofs. There's some sort of, I'd say almost Moroccan style yeah. uh, sort of, it's a spectacular room and my only mm. complaint about it is you don't get to spend enough time in there no you you're in there for like 20 seconds and then they start loading the pre-show like holding areas and you only get to go in about like one fifth i would say you pretty yeah. much go into this room and then immediately take a yeah. right and then you get sorted into your 
your pre-show rooms, but in here you've got this big sort of eagle statue mm. that just it's super ominous. It's got its claws out. There's a fireplace in the back. There's what they actually did in this room is it's designed to look like everyone just got up and left. Yeah. And so in there, there there's sort of like people's luggage that still have tags on them at the actual bellhop desk there's keys and a mm. book showing like who's been signed in and then they actually had in this area a, a team who were playing mahjong and mm-hmm. they made them play the game and then they just ringed a bell and they said stop there get yeah. up and leave and then they glued it all down because they wanted it to be authentic as if people just got up and left mm. and they've done it really well they've they've added cobwebs fake cobwebs actually they do have to go through every now and yeah, then and, and clean and redo <laughs> Like yep. they have to clean up the the real cobwebs and re-add Put fake in ones. The fake ones. <laughs> so and then as you get to sort of the bellhop area, you'll notice right in front of you, before you get sorted into your pre-show room, there is a it's the actual hotel lift. Hmm. And it's just damaged. There's the sort of doors are almost like pushed out. There's yeah. a out of it order sign. If, I think it's meant to look as if the elevator has dropped and all the pressure from that has essentially blown the door. Mm. Like cracked it, it, it and, you know. It's like being an explosion from yeah. where it was hit by lightning. And that's the elevator shaft that was part of the disaster with the disaster being that the tower was hit by lightning. The two uh, elevator shafts, they exploded. Mm. Um, and then down the bottom, that's sort of your introduction to that. Um in this area, you then can either go left or right into a pre-show room, and that's when you watch the famous video that everyone references, the mm-hmm. a dimension of sight, a dimension of sound, of sound. Yeah. a dimension of mind. Do, do, do. Um, <laughs> you've now crossed over into <laughs> the Twilight Zone, and everyone will constantly be saying that line throughout your entire trip whenever you yeah. go on this. If you go with a group of people, they'll be like, every time you go onto an elevator or anything, they'll sort of rattle it and they'll go, yeah. you just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. <laughs> and it's like, can you please stop? <laughs> I, I, they definitely didn't win the competition uh, to be the new Rod Sterling. You're in the Twilight <laughs> uh, So from here... You then make your way into the boiler room. Mm. So this is where you're under the hotel. You're now in the backstage. You're no longer in the guest accessible areas. And it's in here that it really starts to settle in the the uneasiness of it. The hotel is starting to come back to Mm. life. You've got the boilers going. There's steam sort of coming out of pipes. You can hear metal creaking and moaning and just... It is this maze of pipes as you walk through the boiler room to get through to the service elevators, which they're using to give you a tour of the hotel. Now, oddly enough, there's no official story about why you're here. In the Tokyo yeah. version, they explain yeah, it's quite why good. you're in the, the hotel, and it's because it's a historical preservation society who are going through and they're giving you a tour. They're yeah. giving you the story. This is more as if it's reopened and the yeah. original sort of bellhops and that it are almost there. feels like hey it's like you know nowadays where they'd be like oh here's the immersive experience where you can you know step foot into the ghostbusters immersive experience or mm. you know where it seems like 
this at the time would have been like, oh, step into the Twilight Zone immersive experience. Feel like you're yeah. in an episode. Oh, no, you are in an episode. <laughs> this is your episode, mm. which, which they actually say, I guess, in yeah. the pre-show. They're like, um, you know, in your personal episode of yeah. the Twilight Zone. So I guess in that sense, as soon as you see that pre-show, yeah. you're out of the real world and you're now in the Twilight yeah, Zone. Exactly. So that's where it starts to get into the story. And you, there you is actually talk about one of my favorite things, though, about the ride mm-hmm is that the sign at the front of the attraction that does say, you know, the Hollywood uh, Tower Hotel, uh, it's more obvious at night, but it has like a fiber optic lighting effect where the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror like fades in and out on the sign. And then my second favorite sign-related fact is that the sign actually says the Hollywood Tower Hotel the Hollywood Tower because the second O has been hit by lightning and doesn't light up properly. So half the time it says the Hollywood Tower <laughs> on Hotel. On the actual, like, The big tower. sign on the outside, <laughs> yeah. So the O well, this is-, is where it's been struck by lightning, the second O, so it, like, flashes on and off. So sometimes it says the Hollywood Tower Hotel. We really need to go through <laughs> and make a list of things that just don't make sense in theme parks. Like, who is the person who went up and put that sign back on? Well, I know this place just... just got destroyed, but this is a really nice sign. Up it goes, <laughs> and now close it down for 50 years. And now you're back in as part of a theme park attraction. <laughs> now, I do want to say there is actually an, a, a somewhat official story which... Mm goes around the Twilight Zone theme. So if you imagine that you're in your own episode of the Twilight Zone, this is the plot. And it's that the hotel has hosted several parties at the Tip Top Club on the 12th floor. Five people stepped aboard the elevator on Halloween night 1939 and due to a lightning strike, mysteriously vanished along with the hotel's wing. The lightning left behind a black scorch mark and after the word had gotten around that the guests had vanished, the hotel was declared defunct. The mystery was covered by various media sources, such as Newsview, The Clarion, and the Los Angeles Banner. So that's the official story of the attraction. And something I've noticed we don't do anymore is we don't uh, go over the official story that uh, yeah, what Disney the says. says how, <laughs> yeah, how they <laughs> essentially make it sound really boring. Oh, yeah. Um, the best part of any ride. Where they're like, this is an elevator attraction that is Because isn't, isn't the idea of the attraction essentially as well, like when you look at the Hollywood Tower Hotel today, you're essentially looking at originally there would have been three shafts, like elevator shafts that jutted out from the building. And I, hmm. right, if you look at like older pictures of the Tower of Terror, like in the pre-show and stuff like that, it's actually been struck by lightning and that middle tower has just completely disappeared with the people on board the elevator. And then the other two are like, cause I think it's it. I might be completely wrong here, but isn't there like a, a billboard on, um, what's that street on, on sunset Boulevard, sunset Boulevard of the tower, like in its heyday and the elevator shafts, like jut out from the building. Yes. So yeah. that's, when you're in the service elevator, that's what they're talking about with the wings. It's yeah. kind of, if you watch the pre-show, you can see when it gets struck by lightning and those shafts Like disappear. vanishes, yeah. Mm. It's kind of, it's not really 
super obvious how this yeah. works because at the same time, it, those shafts on the outside are meant to be the actual elevator shafts. Yeah. That, those were the two um, disappeared. elevators. Yeah. But the weird thing is when you're in the maintenance service elevator, you're seeing out the doors of what would look into the actual <laughs> yeah. hotel itself. So it doesn't really make much sense in that regard. But Or it's like the two know, elevators kind of just go up <laughs> together and then the doors open and then you look into the maintenance elevator from the real <laughs> elevator and then you go and then up. You just wave. <laughs> hey. So from here, um, interestingly enough, there are six shafts all up in the entire attraction. So there's two drop shafts and four, I guess, show shafts. Pre-show shafts. Yeah, show shafts. Yeah. It's, and it's kind of hard to explain here. what they are, yeah. But mm. it's the first so, half of the ride is in four and then the droppy second part of the ride is in two. The best way I'll do to explain it is that you've, you're now waiting to line up, you're in the boiler room, and you're loading into your elevator. But what they've done is because there are four shafts, there's always one that's in motion mm-hmm. and one that's being filled. Yeah. So imagine you've got, I think they actually have them as like Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta. Yeah. If you imagine Alpha and Bravo are a pair, when Alpha is being loaded, when you're getting into that, Bravo is in motion. And then when Bravo is um, being loaded, Alpha yeah. is in motion. And they sort of share elements. And that way they're able to double their capacity in that sense. Mm-hmm. And they eventually funnel into the two drop shafts. So yeah. Alpha and uh, Bravo then go into their own. I, I don't know what Echo, their, I think it's called. their name would be. Yeah, Echo. And so... You load into the vehicle and then the experience starts. So this is where the the elevator technology and the sort of dual hybrid combination comes in. So in this section, you're just going up and down. You're experiencing the different elements. There's an amazing sort of effect. And if you want to know more about these elements, I highly suggest watching our review time video on the history mm. of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror because it goes into it in a lot more detail. Yeah. But essentially what happens is you go up and you see the first room and in that room there's, you see the ghosts essentially. They come alive and they're, they're waving at you and they're like, ooh, ooh. They make <laughs> this much, really yeah. unique That's sound. A <laughs> That's a good explanation. And this is the, the sort of first room that you go in. I'll, I'll bring up actually my list, which has the actual story itself. Yeah. So the elevated doors close at the start and you hear, you are the passengers on a most uncommon elevator about to ascend in your very <laughs> own episode of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, you definitely Sounding. didn't win that competition, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and the elevator rises for a few seconds before coming to a stop. Uh, the doors open to reveal a corridor populated by five lost ghostly occupants from 1939. And they're the ones who are waving at you. Mm. So this is this really cool sequence where they start waving at you. You see these blue ghosts yeah. and then they zap you. Um, they sort of zap. You see the lightning going through the hall and the hall disappears. Yeah, it's really it, cool Like effect. there's this really cool sort of star effect that comes. And the interesting thing about that is that this room is transparent. Yeah. So all of those walls, they're not actually, you know, solid walls. They're scrims. Yeah. And behind that is the light. So it gives this really cool effect that as they turn off the lights on the front of the scrims and then turn on the twinkle lights behind yeah. the scrims 
it almost makes the disappears. entire space disappear. Yeah. Instead it like of it just being morphs essentially into a, a void of stars. Yeah, it goes from these 2D flats into a 3D space. It's very yeah. cool. Mm. And so then after and that... It's, it's really quiet at that point too. You hear like mm. a shattering of a window and then like no noise. You just hear the sound of the elevator close and you go up. It's like really eerily quiet. Yeah. It's the window splits in half and like shatters and that's where the elevator shaft yeah. was. Um, and then Serling comes back and he's like, you were about to discover what lies beyond the fifth dimension, mm. beyond the deep. Oh, no, that I jumped no, the gun. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm the, sorry. In the fifth dimension it, scene. <laughs> sorry, I, I did. I skipped ahead. So um, it's one stormy night, mm. I think he says. One stormy yeah, night so it, uh, it, like long shatters, ago. It closes and then it's one stormy night long ago. Like that part as you're going up to the next part. Hmm. Um, um, and then, then it opens and you're in the fifth dimension scene, I believe. This one doesn't have the, the mirror, no, there's does like, it? Isn't there two? There's like, yeah. I want to say there's two scenes before the fifth dimension scene, but I might be getting confused with the DC, uh, Disney California Adventure version. Yeah, so I think... In the Disney California Adventure version, which we'll cover. Um, yeah, you see yourself and you yeah, like wave so to yourself. You're like, do, 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 do. Yeah. And but then you what, disappear. Yeah. And yeah. it like shatters the mirror and that's what starts the, the drop sequence. This one, it just goes directly from that show scene into the actual yeah, the uh, fifth dimension, dimension scene. scene yeah and that's where you see lots of different things and this is really cool because at mm. this at this point you've just been going up so you're yeah, rising like an, in elevator, an elevator which is what you expect <laughs> but then the ride vehicle moves out of the elevator it actually starts autonomously moving without a track and this fifth dimension mm. scene is meant to be like a hidden part within the tower there's these walls that behind them are all these interesting LMA, uh, elements. It's a big which eye. is like, <laughs> yeah, big I equals MC square. There's yeah. sort of like a, a mirror ball and things like that. And as you go through, it's meant to be like you are going through almost the introduction. Yeah. It's of like the, the start Zone. of the story almost for you. Mm, like the, yeah. the classic famous one. It almost seems like it's, the- it's built like one of those, you know, those stories, the TV shows where they're like, here's the little introduction. Okay, here's the opening sequence. Okay, here's the meat of the ride. Like, here's the meat yeah. of the story. That's how it's framed. Well, the best example of that is, you know how when you're watching um, CSI and it'll yeah. always start off, it'll start off with the person getting murdered mm-hmm. or finding the body. And then, and then the cool it'll suave have the introduction. Sunglasses guy says some pun. And then he puts his it'll, sunnies on and goes, if it's like, oh, he got killed in a movie studio. He must be <laughs> upset. <laughs> and then we change the channel over to something else. <laughs> wow, this is awful. <laughs> um, so you go through this this room on one of the first actual utilizations of trackless dark ride mm-hmm. technology. So this uh, vehicle actually follows a wire under the floor. Which is, which is the home also to one of my favorite backstage videos of all time. I'm not sure if it's still around but of the <laughs> maintenance guy 
who like comes out and he's like, oh, hey, folks, sorry about this. Uh, this is a pretty temperamental old ride. Sometimes people spill a little bit of water on the floor or something and it slightly goes out. It's just, it's just like really nice old man is like explaining why the ride's broken down. It's really <laughs> sweet. Everyone's like super happy that he's there. And I think they said they were trapped for, well, not trapped, but they were just stuck there for like 15 minutes before yeah. someone came. Hey, guys. Um, because they're probably in the safest spot to emerge. Yeah, I'd rather be in so, the fifth dimension than in the, the drop shaft. Very easy to get evac'd from there. <laughs> So you then make your way through the fifth dimension scene and it starts to sort of deteriorate. And similarly, again, you've got these lights that appear in the fifth dimension scene. This time it's not three-dimensional. It's just projected onto Mm. sort of a uh, 2D flat. But they all sort of, they look like stars and they accumulate in the Mm. center. And this door then opens that has these bright lights and imagine they sort of accumulate, then turn yeah. into a line, and the line splits apart and it opens. This part terrifies me yep. because <laughs> there is this sound. Like the door opens and it's pitch black. And yep. all you hear is this like... Yeah. Like I can't even explain it. It's like this really sort of windy, ominous sort of like boiler sound. Is it? Is it you who has the fear... Because this is the part where you load into the yes. second ride yep. system and <laughs> you have the fear... That one day the ride's just going to keep rolling forward, but the elevator's not waiting for it, so it just topples forward <laughs> into so you the just void. Fall into the shaft. <laughs> so this is where you load into uh, Echo and Foxtrot, which are the two actual drop shafts. So these aren't you're actually getting into the meat of the ride, the yeah. thrill ride itself, and your autonomous vehicle loads into a platform which locks the vehicle in mm. and like grabs the wheels essentially. And then the attraction becomes whole, I guess. It splits when it goes from the show, it splits into two, and then it goes back to being one. And so this works in that sense, similar to the other ones when Echo's running, Foxtrot isn't because it's just all synchronized in this way. But what happens here is this is when you start to get into the random drop sequence. And this is actually entirely random now. As you were saying originally, when it was going through the drop sequence, it was just go up, drop, and then down. And then they had had a special event that was like, the tower strikes back, and you drop twice. (laughs) And now Mm. they've built it where, yeah, they keep every time. They're like, I think the new one's called like, the tower is in control or something, the randomized drop sequences. It's the actual tagline of the attraction is something along the lines of um, no drop is the same. Uh, yeah. Never the same fear twice is mm. the official ride slogan. Have you have you seen um, the, the amazing billboard for this attraction as well? No. I think it, it's either on your way to Epcot or Magic Kingdom, but it's this really oh, tall, yes, the skinny. One where it's like- yeah, and it's got this 3D elevator that like rocks back and forth. It's mm. awesome. And it would- it's- Forced It'd perspective, like, it, like you know, it's 40 meters triangle. tall, probably too. It's massive. Mm. It's very cool. And you can see like the cable dangling mm. above it. It's one of those really neat things that when you get to Walt Disney World, you're like, oh, I'm here. We're and that's here. one of the advertisements. Yeah. And you really do wonder like how many people, well, I guess a lot of people in the area would be doing it, but what would be the percentage of people going through Walt Disney World <laughs> who wouldn't be actually going to the parks? It'd be like, like seeing a billboard for the Magic Kingdom inside Tomorrowland. 
You'd be like, yeah, yeah I know, I'm already here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to advertise to me. It's like bloody Beats headphones. They've got these weird advertising. I bought a couple of Beats headphones and you open it up and it's like the next wave of music listening <laughs> experience. And it's like, you don't have to advertise to me. I've yeah, already yeah. bought uh, There's the a lot of products headphones. nowadays where it's like they hype you up after you've built the product. I think it has no, a lot to do with the whole like unboxing yeah, idea true. on YouTube. It's like it's about making the product almost more exciting to open than it is to actually use. Oh, 100%. And so now that you're actually in the drop shaft itself, let's talk about some numbers because they're pretty exciting. So Woo. you've got two enormous motors on top of mm. this attraction. And something and you to can mention see them as well. If you look at the ride, like. Oh, that's on the. Oh, other the California version. version? Yeah. That like sideways part. Mm, pretty much like holds the ride system. The yeah. Yeah. So these are just these huge motors and they're capable. Well, they weigh 600, uh, 60 kilos. Now, I said 600, and now it seems like less. <laughs> so, uh, six, not, oh my goodness, 60,000 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> they weigh 60 kilos, Luke, slightly Whoa. less than an average person. <laughs> um, they are 12 feet tall. They are 35 feet long. They are very heavy. They mm. are able to generate 10 uh, short tons. Um, or accelerate at 15 times the speed of normal elevators. And they generate 275 times the torque of a Chevrolet Corvette engine, reaching a top speed in 1.5 seconds. And you can really feel it when you're on this attraction. Yeah. Interestingly and I think that's enough, the whole thing is that it's, what a lot of people don't know is it's like, this technically isn't a drop ride mm. because you never fall under gravity. You're never dropping. You're being pulled by the ride system, whether it be yep. pulling you up or it be pulling you down at faster than gravity will drop you. And that's something that they really wanted to do was bring home that sensation of weightlessness. Yeah. So if you actually watch videos of people in this attraction when they're sitting on top of the seatbelt, they actually lift out of their seat. The regret they have in their face. Bars. Oh, yeah. So if you've ever like... been on the ride and they make you do that, like, hands up in the air thing, like, pull on your seatbelt strap and hands up, that's because people used to hold their seatbelt in in such a way that they had so much slack on their seatbelt that they could essentially get out. But there's videos of it where people have done this, obviously think it would be a hilarious idea, until they slip out of their seatbelt and slam against the roof of the ride vehicle <laughs> and they're trying to hold themselves off. Like, and then they slam washed. back down yep. as well. It's like and instant the, karma. The scary thing as well is if you're at the front, it actually generates a lot of suction because yeah. as it's going up and down through the shaft, people who work backstage actually say it sounds like the building is breathing because the yeah. amount of pressure that is generated from the actual elevators going through the system. So they sort of see mm. almost walls like expanding and then contracting because it's Jeez. just constantly generating yeah. this huge amount of force. Um, hmm. And it has a, a top speed of 63 kilometers an hour for a mm. drop, like a, yeah. a forceful drop. And if you think about it, it's not that thing where it reaches terminal velocity um, under the weight of itself, similar to a regular drop ride. This pulls you in 1.5 yeah. seconds. You just go, 
and you're yeah. like, whoa. And it's a crazy um, feeling. It, there's nothing really like it. It's also 13 stories tall yeah. or 60 meters, 199 feet, because if it was over 200 feet, yeah. then they'd have to put a little light. The on little top beacon. Of it. The drop's not quite <laughs> because that of aeroplane. high, though, is it? I don't think the drop's um, quite. That's the top of the ride system. It's about uh, top, sorry, 50 the top meters, of the building. Yeah, which then you've got the motors and stuff above you. But it does go a little bit into the ground as well. Mm. So that that's something to keep in mind as well that it goes which i think that has to do as well with what you were saying it's like essentially a buffer zone so that it doesn't blow out the ground yeah. floor of the building <laughs> when it hits the bottom it's one of the crazy things about this attraction as well is if you look at the facade it's got a very sort of moroccan feel about mm. it and that's because you can actually see this attraction from epcot and if you're at the direct sort of opposite side facing towards Morocco. Yep. They've designed the facade so that it blends in with the actual um, Morocco pavilion in Epcot's World Showcase. Mm, so it's it really sort cool. of like it doesn't, it, it just blends. It doesn't stand down. But from one side, it looks like this Hollywood tower. From the other side, it just looks like a generic sort of building. Yep. It, it's really well done and yeah, very clever. Very clever. Um, done on Disney's behalf. And so you've gone through the attraction, very straightforward. Over the years, it's changed as to how the drop sequences work. Mm. As you said, there was one where it dropped you twice. Then it started getting into sequences. And now it's almost completely random. Yeah, wasn't there for a while there? It was like when they first brought in what seemed to be random, it was like four brides, like sequences that would be shuffled where now it's, you know, is random. Yeah. So... What they do now is they essentially weigh the vehicle and they use that to determine Mm. um, how forceful it is, what it's going to be doing. It just goes through a a series of sequences and the actual tower will decide that based on wait times as well. So if it's Mm -hmm. a busy day, it'll sort of send you through a quicker sequence. If it's a slower day, you'll actually get more of a ride experience and you'll get to do more drops. The other thing as well is that they were able to change up the ride system so that instead of just accelerating it could also do this jolting which is incredibly jarring to feel it oh, sort of yeah, jolts yeah, yeah. up and down and makes this incredible sort of it feels like it's shaking like it feels like something's going wrong almost mm. so sometimes it'll like drop you a little bit bring you back up shake and then do a full drop um it's quite rare for it to actually do a full drop, I believe. Like, I think you I get think... one. Don't you get guaranteed oh, really? one full drop? Uh, it's the okay. one where it takes the photo usually. I think you will be pr- very close to one full drop. Sometimes they'll do that like fake drop for like a couple of meters and then drop the whole shaft. Actually, I think uh, I'm but... thinking of the Tokyo version where it sort of goes, whoa, whoa, Tokyo is very more so based off weightlessness in like floating you than mm. pulling you. Yeah. This is yeah. probably the most forceful tower. Like uh, see, I used to think that the the one in California Adventure was more forceful when it was Tower of Terror. Not so much now that it's Guardians. But the yeah. the sheer force of the drop felt more powerful, but I still much prefer the Hollywood Studios version. Yeah. There's a, a lot of really fun facts on the the way it actually generates the weightlessness and how it goes through and determines the the motion and all that. If you want to look up, there's the 
Tower of Terror Wikipedia. It's entirely dedicated to just this attraction wow. and all of the story <laughs> and stuff like that. And it goes into like the mathematics of how the tower <laughs> actually works and generates a lot of its stuff. Really cool. Definitely <clears> worth <throat> a look up. But then you finish up and you go down to the bottom. There's an interesting sort of projection, swirly screen. And then you turn around and you mm. start to go back. You exit out of the shaft and that's when you get to the exit. I always forget and about that turning around bit because I've done... Yeah. I haven't done this version for quite a few years, unfortunately. And the, like, California and Tokyo version just kind of slightly slide forwards or slightly slide backwards. They don't mm. have these full, you know, turning and this and that. This, what it actually does is it backs out of the shaft Mm. and then rotate. So this vehicle can actually rotate as well as moving around autonomously. Mm. So it backs out of the shaft, rotates, and then pushes into the exit. The interesting thing about this area is that if you look around, there's lots of props from the Twilight Zone film. It's meant to yeah. almost be like... There's like a dummy is... or something, isn't there? Like a ventriloquist dummy. There's yeah. bits and pieces, yeah. It, it's really quick because they turn on the lights very briefly and then turn it off. Yeah. It's meant to be sort of like the outro of yeah. the um of the attraction. And then you exit out and you head through the gift shop, which is the lost and found, and yeah. off you go. It's like all hotel you're, you're lost and founds. They're selling anything they find, which yeah. happens to be <laughs> someone left in the lost and found pallets of Hotel Tower of Terror Mickey ears. What a shame. You can... There's... It's cool how it's sort of all integrated. Even the gift shop looks to be part of the the hotel. It's it's really well done. You stay in this whole world of the Tower of Terror until you leave the gate. So yeah. it's not just one of those things that you enter through the queue and you're in, you exit, and then you're mm. out. It's this sort of mini land, I'd almost say. And they actually use the courtyard outside of the gift shop for weddings which yeah. I, I recently found out. It's one of yeah, the cheaper venues on Walt Disney yeah. World. <laughs> it's, it's only, you know, $30,000 for two people instead of $130,000 for two people. To rent out one part of the Magic Kingdom. Oh, yeah. At <laughs> 6 a.m. in the morning. The other um, thing that I, I want to mention in here is so... the. A lot of people say this is the best version of the attraction and they wonder why they don't bring this to all of the other I ones like that. California, Paris, <laughs> and Tokyo. Uh, Luke says that. I say that as well because this version is miles ahead of the others, yeah. especially. The others are the, really just drop towers with a few little thematic elements where this is yeah. a dark ride with a drop tower element. Yeah. But the reason why is because afterwards... They created what's called franchise versions of mm. the attraction. They're the ones AKA that they've sort of pushed cheaper out. versions. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> because they found essentially the self-propulsion or the, the autonomous moving vehicle just caused so many long yeah. and complicated downtimes that it was frustrating to, to continue operating it. The other versions don't actually use the autonomous vehicles. They just use the elevator shafts. Um, they're still actually made by Otis. Um, it, it's just one of those things where they're yep. like, it's it's not worth it for them, especially as well. The efficiency is lower yep. in the, Floridian which is such version. a shame because I really, I love this version where you load onto the ride in one place and then you spin and you unload in a completely separate area. I don't mm. like the part in the California adventure and Tokyo. And I'm guessing Paris version 
where to get to the ride system, you have to walk through the exit corridor onto the ride. It, It, like, removes that magical moment where on the Hollywood Studios version, the elevator door opens and your elevator's waiting there for you. Right there, Mm. you walk on, there's nobody in it. There's no way anyone could have gotten off the ride before you because there's no other doors. And that's something that we probably should mention as well is that it does exit in a completely different area Mm. to the, um, the entrance for the attraction, you come off and there's no one else around. Yeah. And then you're, which I love a ride vehicle that, and that shows up empty. It doesn't like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It doesn't feel like a ride in that case. It feels like an experience that you're enjoying, you know, with your family or by yourself or that. Yeah. Where when a ride shows up with other guests and they're all, you know, laughing and cheering or, smiling and that sort of stuff it's like oh cool they had a good time but it doesn't feel like a unique experience for me anymore a hundred percent i absolutely agree and and so i think that pretty much covers it for Mm. the hollywood studios version of the tower of terror this is a bit of a longer one but i think i expected that considering how much we know about this attraction yeah it's the start of a series too if we do episodes on the other ones they'll logically be a bit shorter because we've talked about the history of this one for so long yeah we can just sort of jump into them we have the context and things like that but uh, do you have anything else to say about the hollywood studios version of the twilight zone tower of terror now this is one of my favorite rides in the world at this stage but as a a story quickly i've never told on the podcast is when i worked at disney world i didn't go on this attraction for the first eight months because i didn't like drop towers (laughs) um and it wasn't until you came over to visit me. So every, you know, every week, every few weeks when I go to the to the park with my friends and my girlfriend, she would be like, and they would be like, come on, you got to go on Tower of Terror. It's the best ride in the park. And I was like, no way. I hate drop rides. As soon as you showed up, you're like, let's go on. I was like, okay, let's do it. All and right. then <laughs> I was essentially playing catch up for the last few months because I was like, ah, I've missed out on eight months of riding this. I think one day we rode it like seven or eight times in a day. Oh, we just kept on going so around. Short. And it, it was the like, quietest day I've ever seen at Walt Disney World. I don't think we'll it ever see it again. Insane. Like it because was crazy. Even like that was back in 2015. So the big ride was Toy Story Midway Mania. And we were at the stage where we were getting, you know, our fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth fast pass for the day. And a lot of them, you get your fast pass at that little kiosk by Tower of Terror. And it's like, oh, we can go ride Toy Story Midway Mania in like five minutes. And mm. it was like, okay, let's go. And it was the f- one time where we're like, all right, let's actually look up how to, you know, get a good score or how to do this because we yeah. had the chance. <laughs> uh, but it was yeah, this is one of my time. favorite rides. Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. It was back in the time where I don't think you could book any further fast passes on the app, but you could. No, you had you to do to it in kiosk. person at the yeah. kiosk, which a lot of people just didn't do. And it so we use our like, fast yeah. passes and then go to the kiosk and then go and yeah. use those. Uh, and it, yeah, it, great ride, a spectacular version. I, as I was saying earlier, I like Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, but it if this is the perfect ten out of ten attraction which I think it is, and there's only a handful of other rides I could say are up there with it, in my opinion, Mm. stuff like Indiana Jones and Spider-Man are the ones that stand up there. And it stands alone in that it's not just a really great dark ride, but it's also a really fun thrill ride. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, it, it's to me the atmosphere, the theming, the actual ride itself, all ten out of ten. There is yeah. nothing that gives me that anticipation and that just that thrill of being in the queue, where you're just like, oh, I'm immersed from the get go. That ominous music, the sound of people screaming, which is recorded actually. Fun fact. Um, yeah, so they the- actually pump screams out mm. into the park because you can't hear people from that far away. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and it's just all of those elements mixed together with the eerie sort of walkway and the dead sort of uh, plants and all that. It, yeah. it just makes for an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. And I give... The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, a 10 out of 10. The only ever perfect score. I think we're going to give Disney C a 92 out of 100. So there you go, Tower of Terror. You get it. Congrats. You get it. The review time's only 100 out of 100. <laughs> but I think that uh, that finishes up for today's That'll podcast. Anyway, uh, you can find myself. I was the host of today's episode, Dominic Lacey. You can find me at Review Time Dom. You can find me at Review Time Luke. And you can find both of us at Time Review on Twitter. You can also email us at uh, it's dom at reviewtime.com and or Luke, Luke at reviewtime.com as yeah. well. It's pretty straightforward. You you can reach <laughs> us. We'll always be there to read our emails. We and may simple not be able to, to read. spell, which is good. There's like no real other way to spell our name. So nice and easy not, to find. I'm uh, actually Dimitri at... Uh, reviewtime.com so. <laughs> alright well we will see you back on next week's episode where Luke's taking the reins Luke do you have any idea what you're doing I, I think we're going to wrap up our trilogy of uh, opening day attractions at Universal Studios Florida ah true and then maybe yeah. we have to do like a Christmas special and a New yeah, Year's special yeah that'll be the week after Ooh, Ooh stay tuned exciting. for that that's all coming up soon <laughs> but anyway guys uh, we will see you all next time stay safe have fun and we'll see you then see ya Review Time's theme podcast is brought to you by Luke Carroll and Dominic Lacey. We are edited gratefully by Luke Shekatano. A big shout out goes to our patrons, Jake Cool, Jane McRoberts, Jeremy Kalfakis, Louis Najira, Peter Matthews, Ruben Mays, Luke Shekatano, Ray Dredge, John Madison, Michael Pinn, Janine Kerr, CG Lemonade, Tim Descenzo, Josie McDougal, Stephen Schwarzrock, Matt Sakal, Norman Lacey, please use wisely, Sincerely Mac, and to you, the listener. Review Time's theme podcast will be back next week.